Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Thursday. Today is November 5th, 2015. I'm Michelle Pichet, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice and Dr. Timothy Hayes. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you have any comments or questions, press 1, and that will put you into queue to talk with our host. So now, let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Well, hey there, young lady. How are you? I'm I'm well, Michael. Good. Well, here we are in rainy, but fortunately still warm, Theodosia, Missouri. It's in the low 60s. Looks like it's going to stay this way for at least another week. We're not going to be here for another week, but the uh, it's a little rainy and cloudy today, but uh, the temperature's up, so that's nice. We're still packing and getting ready to get on the road. Hopefully, we're going to be out of here on Saturday. And heading south. And so we welcome everybody. We appreciate the fact that you're with us and that you are interested in this ancient technology of healing called forgiveness. And the tools which support moving from sadness, rage, guilt, fear, drama, trauma, hatred, vengeance, into the truth of our real nature which is love. If you've ever held a newborn child, you know exactly what human life is. It is this awesome, sweet presence of love. It's what we're all made of. It's where we all started. It's where we're all designed to end up. And so our view here, our our desire is to provide the decoded tools that come from the ancient Aramaic that support understanding that we are designed to live as this awesome presence of love. And I think there's easy documentation for that idea if you just ask anybody on the planet who's ever held a newborn child what the essence of the newborn is. Everybody agrees. Everybody's got the same words. Why doesn't it stay that way? My offering is, it doesn't stay that way, Because we come into a world that is insane. And when I say insane, when I talk about insanity, I'm talking about a world filled with people who function without the presence of love. That's insane. And so we see all the, you know, 
the tragedies, the traumas, the dramas of the world. Of course, so many people want to blame that on the creator, not the creator's problem, not the creator's fault. When we were given the choice to do what we chose to do, then we were given the right to create and set up whatever we wanted. And if we forget who we are, if we leave relationship with the creator, then we've got a problem. And so what we're looking to do is to resolve that problem. For those who might not know it, I'm the director of a foundation that's translating a copy of the oldest known New Testament in its original Aramaic language into English. It's called the Kaburis Manuscript. If you go to our website, whyagain.org, you can look through the, the low-res pictures of the whole manuscript, every page. It's pretty awesome. And there's a lot of material, and the whole focus of our work is decoding and understanding how to live in that space of love. We hear the Greeks telling us that we're supposed to love our neighbor. That's a totally fraudulent idea. Please don't try to do that. That's silly. It's not possible because love is not a verb. It's not something we do to each other. It's what we are. But the world brings us in, knocks us out of the presence of love, knocks us out of the awareness of love with its hostility and fear, and then sends us off to find somebody to love us or find somebody to love. You know, that song title comes to mind, Won't you want somebody to love? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Can't do it. You can be love. You can come to the point where you experience your true essence as who you are, which is love, and then out of that experience, you will create awesome, delightful, joyful, wondrous relationships. You will create a physiological system called the body-mind unit that will maintain itself in health and aliveness and joy and creativity because that's what it's designed for. And so we're here to support you in living in what you're designed for. And if you haven't been doing that so far, then you've got work to do. And the work is that of hammering out, so to speak, those thumbprints of hostility or fear that have been put on us genetically or through our experiences in our lives. And the tool for hammering those things out, the tool for freeing ourselves from hostility or fear, is the tool of forgiveness. Now, you'll notice the Greeks turned that one backward too, just like telling us to go love somebody instead of function as love. They keep telling us things that are backward to the truth of who we are and backward to the real experience of human life. And so as you learn to remove the thumbprints, that is forgive, as opposed to the Greek idea that's been given to us of I'm supposed to let you off the hook because there's pain happening inside of me. If I let you off the hook because there's pain happening inside of me, have I done anything to change the pain that's inside of me? No, that's silly. If I choose to pardon you, that's a nice thing to do. And our culture has fallen into a, a trap of mistranslated words that causes us to lose the capacity to function as love by trying to do things that are impossible, which ends up in the system generating more and more frustration, rage, and insanity. So when we realize that forgiveness is how to remove what doesn't belong, and if you haven't accessed that technology yet, we invite you to. We're here to support you with it in every which way we can. You can go to our website. There are hundreds of hours of information all free on the website. If you go to whyagain.org, 
And if you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see a bullseye, a red and white bullseye. Click on it. That'll open a whole series of links. It'll take you through the whole forgiveness process. There are hours and hours and hours of uh, radio shows where we've walked somebody through the process, given the instructions. And then, of course, we're here every day, five days a week, that is, to support you with questions about the process. Take the tools, use them. What you'll find is that thumbprint by thumbprint, you hammer out a little hostility here, a little rage here, a little guilt here, a little fear there, a little negativity, a little sadness, a little bit of loss. And each time you hammer out another piece of that, you find your life and your physiology become more acclimatized to the presence of love. Then you go out and interact with your neighbor as love. And believe me, your behaviors are going to be different than functioning out of the thumbprints of the world. So that's what we're here to support. And we're honored and delighted that you're here to join us. And our call-in number, if you uh, have any questions or thoughts for us, or if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in the control panel, call 646-200-4169. If you push one, that'll put a little hand up, and Michelle will see your hand go up and introduce you by your area code and invite you to ask your question. Michelle, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? Yeah, excuse me, he's here. Hi, Dr. Tim. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michael. Hey there, young man. How do you be? I'm doing well, um, in large part due to my use of these tools. I hear that one. And um, I keep looking at and peeling away at layers, and I discovered another another layer on one of those old traumas um from years ago I was probably 12 years old when this one happened but what was happening was I had a a thought about someone who who I know of today and my thought about this person was they will never be as good as they can be or very successful in their work until they become honest about their rage, about their anger. And of course, from what I know in this work, that I will never be upset about anything anybody else ever says or does, unless I'm still judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar things. So I went into my own process to discover how that might resonate for something with me, and it went right back to when I was 12 years old. And, and this is an incident that I've done a lot of work on in the past. But the bottom line was my concern about interacting with this person today was that if I interact with them and they go into their rage, it might resonate rage from when I was 12 that I didn't feel I could contain. And so I had to go back and deal with another whole level of feeling like when I was 12 and I went into a rage that it took over me, that I couldn't control it and uh, dig into a whole set of beliefs about my inability to contain or control that energy. And, um, and it was very enlightening. It was very worth, worth the effort. So I'm here today feeling even lighter and better 
than I was yesterday at this time. Awesome. Congratulations. Well, I certainly join you in allowing access to anything that's less than love to come forward and uh, share the space of connectedness and love and letting all of it go. And I think that, you know, the root that um, most people say, well, I, 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 I can't let myself cry because if I really let myself cry about that, I'd never stop crying. Or I can't let myself touch into that anger, that rage, because if I did, I would kill somebody. I would never stop. And I think that goes back to that moment where we gave up the direct physiological presence of love, the experience of functioning as human beings, and having put that away, we bought into the messages that came from our power person and the loss of that. I, my, my understanding of that moment is that it is the root of the most intense rage that anyone will ever feel or anyone will ever experience. And it's a big piece of work to do to go back through it and uh, and undo it. So I certainly join you in that and in holding the space for anyone on the planet that has a similar issue to open, soften, and become free of it. So awesome piece. It's it's definitely it's one of the key pieces. I mean, it's a piece of work that virtually everybody ultimately has to do, for sure. Well, and the essence of it for me is that I, I can say yet again, my experience was this time it was not easy, but a little bit easier than the last few times to take full responsibility and to just, from the beginning, understand this isn't about anybody but me, and then get right into the worksheet and the breathing process and and ask to be shown and trust what images came up and it took me right to something that at first didn't seem to make any sense and when I just stayed with it, it made very, very good sense. So I'm very grateful for the tools and um, what I've been instilled with from my parents to be willing to go use them because it's making my life much, much better. Awesome. Well, I certainly appreciate the work you do, the support you offer, and join you in that process of healing and opening the space for anybody that's listening or not listening because we have this other beautiful piece of the puzzle called critical mass. And as... Each one of us opens. We open a little wider, a little wider, a little wider, and it opens the energy field for not only ourselves, not only those in our bloodline, but those who are connected energetically through the same issue. So pretty awesome process for sure. Michelle, do you have anything to uh, to share in that regard? Um. Mm. Let me see if there's any hands up. Okay. Um, I know that using the tools is the way that you can benefit from them. And I have found myself struggling this week because I 
can't really seem to leverage myself to sitting down to do some worksheets. And a week ago when I had introduced that idea of the wipeout sheets to you and you said about getting an accountability partner, that was, um, you know, something that was the accountability partner was identified, but I really... I haven't gone beyond that. And so it's been sort of fascinating watching myself kind of dismantle this week that just because you say you have an accountability partner does nothing to create accountability, at least in the sort of spin I'm in right now. So I'm just going to put that out there since we don't have any hands up. And you asked. So my input would be, and it sounds like what's happened is that the resistor has grabbed you by the face. Well, yes, I would like to do this. I I, I posted a, a Facebook post a week or two ago of a guy who's standing in front of an audience. He says, how many people want to change it? Everybody's cheering and waving their hands. And then the next step is, or the next frame is, how many people want to change? Everybody's head is down, looking depressed. No hands up, no cheering. So everybody wants it to be different, but the the big key is, that in order to do it, I have to face what's inhibiting me from that change. And in the ancient Aramaic, they had a name for getting lost in that, and that was being trapped in Satan. But in Aramaic, Satan is a lowercase word. It means the resistor, one who misleads. And so my invitation would be that you, uh, you recognize your resistance and you sit down and you put the pen to the paper and you do it anyway. You walk through the resistance rather than get lost in it. You sit down, you put the pen to the paper. You know, the radio show's over at 1 o'clock at 101. You're putting the pen to the paper and you're doing your commitment. And, of course, the idea of the accountability partner is that you've got someone that you're committed to calling before the day is out or texting and saying, I've completed my commitment. Otherwise, we tend to live trapped in the in the resistor. So, in in thinking of that, what's the what's the leverage you know that's motivating motivating me? Like avoidance of shame because I don't want to look bad in front of my accountability partner. Well, remember that. Having an accountability partner doesn't mean you need to say a word to them about what you're going through or what you're dealing with or what comes up. The idea of an accountability partner, now if you have a partner that you're doing worsies with, that's different, but the idea of an accountability partner is every day, if my commitment is to do five worksheets a day, before the day is out, I will text them and say, complete, when I complete them. And I won't go to sleep until I have sent that text. So there's nothing to expose to your partner to do that. You know, it's like in an intensive, you know, people say, well, gee, I don't know if I want to expose myself. It's like you don't have to say a word in an intensive in order to heal. I remember one year we had a woman who came with her mother, and this young woman was just like ultra beyond the shy of the shyest. And she asked that question, well, do I have to? It's like, no, you don't have to say a word. She had, in the personal code evaluation, she had one of the most – challenging personal code evaluations I've seen, probably in the top 50 in all that I've done in all these years. And 
when the intensive was over, and she literally did not say a word during the whole nine days. When the intensive was over, she had the highest gains of anybody in the class. So there's nothing there about exposing yourself with an accountability partner. It's just I am going to do my work, and I'm going to report to you that I've completed it. That's it. Did you understand it to be different than that? Well, I guess, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's the consequence if I don't. I'm not doing the work whether or not I have that accountability partner and not doing the work, at least Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. Well, what I've found is most people will tend to keep their word with someone else where they might find a way to fudge it on themselves. So having an accountability right. partner for me just becomes motivation and support. Well, that's what I And also your bo- your accountability partner is holding the space for you to do it. When you say that you find that you can keep your word towards another person easier than towards yourself, that's what I meant earlier when I was saying, well, what's being leveraged there? If I don't do it, then my shame kicks in or my guilt kicks in. Like I'm being motivated to avoid a negative feeling or punishment or consequence. Then then my uh, my input would be that you do some worksheets on shame and guilt because it sounds like that is your inhibitor. That is what blocks you. And so I start doing my worksheets there. If that's what comes up when I don't keep my word, then in my file on keeping my word is guilt and shame. So now I forgive my guilt and shame, and I get free of it. That's all. This is all about. And you've got somebody who's out there supporting you and holding the space. Now, you can take it to the next level and have someone that you do worksheets with that you say, okay, we're going to set aside an hour a day, we're going to be on the phone, or we're going to get together in person, and we're going to do worksheets together. I'll support you as you do one. That's a different process, but What's your motivation? My take is, or my understanding, my experience is, that most people, when they give their word to someone else, will tend to be more in integrity with the word than doing it just with themselves. Because it's easier to fudge with ourselves and lie to ourselves and all that sort of thing. I know. I, I, I agree. And what I anticipated and fascinatingly find out that, you know, this new layer of resistance has grown on me. And so it's like, oh, so I'm not being my word. I mean, I'm not, I, I, you know, that sounds cavalier, but it's like kind of like why doesn't that matter to you? And it's just fascinating to me. So, you know, I'm just in, in my uh, spin right here. And Susan's on the phone. I think she wants to give me some counsel. Let's go for it. Let's say hello to Susan. Welcome, young lady. Hey, Michael. Hey, sweet Michelle. Hey, Dr. Tim. Hi, Susan. A couple of things. I, I'll share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, the first thing is I had an accountability partner, and I know I had drove home uh, late one night. I was getting in about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I texted him and said, I'm going to cancel my five worksheets that I committed to because I'm just so exhausted. 
And I thought they were going to let me off the hook really easy because I had such a sob story. And what they said to me was, um, well, your <laughs> life works according your life works according to how you keep your agreements with yourself in capital letters, yourself. And I was like, dag. So I, here I sat up in bed literally nodding off while I'm doing these worksheets. But I committed, I kept my commitment and I completed. That was my first uh, experience with accountability partners. So then now I have an accountability partner with a girl here in my group that's took, and she struggles, has great resistance to doing worksheets. I mean, I'm not even going to go there. That's her. So anyway, um, I, I, I've done many worksheets on resistance to doing worksheets. I mean, even though I know they work, there are times I come up against great resistance to not wanting to see what's coming up for me or wanting to keep it suppressed. So but one thing that came to me when you were talking was in the 12-step program, I used to have a sponsor. And um, in this program, of course, I had a commitment to her. But we would, uh, among ourselves, we had a phone list, and we would do a book, what we call book ending. So say it's in the money program, and I've agreed that I'm going to spend such and so, and I'm going in this mall or whatever. I bookend with one of my friends. I say, okay, I'm going in here. I'm going to get this and I will I will call you or text you when I get out that I'm out of the store and then I'm good. And we did that quite a bit. It was called bookending. You, you text before and you text after. So that might be a possibility to get support. I'm going to do one worksheet. Um, my partner, actually, that I got here in my group, she would just not text me. Two or three days, she'd go and it was no complete. I'd be texting her complete, complete, complete. And at the end of that, when we were talking and getting ready to re-up the next week, I said, you know, I noticed that you're not texting me complete. Does that mean you're not doing, you know, not keeping your agreement um, as gently as I could? I wanted to be sweet, whole face of love, and I did the best I could. And I said, you know, if 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 you don't feel like maybe it's a sign that I'm not the right partner maybe there's another person that would be better to support you and I'm willing to open to the ability that you find somebody else and um, she came to group that night our mind shifter group and her worksheet that she did wake up sheet was on resistance to doing the worksheet and she did it in front of the whole group and there was a many in there that had resistance and I saw a shift in the whole group when we did that and held a space of love because we all understood where she was. And um, anyway, that shifted her, and she's up to, I think her commitment this week is three worksheets a day and five minutes of breathing morning and night, and that's what we're both doing. So um, she stepped up her game, and it was just by that. She's not bookended, but she's still she's texting me completed. So that's just my experience, strength, and hope with you. And anything I can do to support you, I'm willing, whether it's text or call or anything. But I just think putting your name on a sheet, on a worksheet and texting, all right, I've got my name on there and I've got my feelings, you know, baby steps, baby. No, well, um, thank you, Susan. And, um, I mean, my baby step today is actually just, you know, blasting on myself here in public. I know. You're telling on yourself. I don't want you to blast. I don't I, 
I must want you to, so I'm saying that. But anyway, uh, maybe just getting them like you've got those laminated sheets, you know, making a commitment to do it, – it's it's interesting to see how the mind works and the resistor comes up. And um, I can definitely say I know I've been there where you're at, and I, I can say in certain things I'm there right now. Certain ways I have resistance to doing certain things, and, you know, it's loving myself enough to say it's okay for you to be who you are in this moment. And um, in the presence of love, it, it seems to shift even there. Or asking somebody to help me or doing a mind shifter, you know, and it's safe and healing, and I love to do worksheets and breathing. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? And notice it. Notice the other day, Michelle, how high your enthusiasm was for doing it. You were at a new level of vitality. At a new level of vitality, of course, a new level or a new depth of resistance is going to be accessed. And it sounds like that's what you've done. And remember, the the second half of that word Satan in Aramaic, the definition, the resistor, is one who misleads. And carbon-based memory will lead us by the nose all over its ugly ten acres trying to convince us that we don't need to bother, we're doing fine, it's all somebody else's fault, blah, 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 blah. And, and also recognize that when you choose to do this, I mean, this is not a wimp's work. We're inviting people in to look at generations and generations and generations of patterns. And each new level vitality that you get to means you're going to a new depth of what needs to be accessed and dealt with. And so we'll hold the space that you're willing to go there and do the next piece. And, of course, willingness is the key. It's the cosmic grease. Something else we did, Michelle. Can you still hear me? Yes. Loud and clear. Okay. Uh, We set up a time uh, for the mind shifters to meet uh, for dinner at Panera Bread, and we all brought our worksheets. And we sat around a big table and had fun. And um, each person worked on their worksheets. And then I went around the the circle, you know, just supporting each person, whatever was coming up. And everybody got a a chance to have fun and kind of shift the energy around uh, the work sheet, maybe the wake-up sheet, you know, something fun, letting go. Anyway, that's just my my thoughts. I'll, I'll mute and listen. Thank you for letting me share. Great input, Susan. Thank you. Dr. Tim, do you have any input for uh, Michelle? Well, lots of things have come up as I'm listening to this, and one of the last things that came to mind was when I was in undergraduate school several centuries ago, um, I had a professor who was uh, for experimental psychology, and he was very behaviorally oriented, and he had this phrase that we as human beings don't do anything that we don't have to do. And I didn't agree with that, but over my solid two years of working with him as a colleague, I learned what he meant by it at deeper and deeper levels, and it had to do with ways to arrange my life so that I had extra motivations to accomplish the goals that I had set. And accountability partners is one. 
you know he would he would make it clear to anybody whenever they entered a deal with him on his handshake that that was ironclad and so if i made an agreement with him to enter a study program what i would be there 3 days a week for 2 hours to do whatever he told me to do regardless of how ridiculous it seemed he made it clear to me before i shook his hand that if i didn't do that he would he would flunk me in that course and so i i built this sense and i had had the connection while susan was talking and, and michelle was talking about how here i am all these years later you know 40 years later in my life and i have set myself up i have learned that i need to set things up so that people are expecting me and i i've talked about this on the show before i've said you know people ask me why do you do the radio show 5 days a week and why do you do that support group that you donated your time to for the last 10 years and prime evening hours and why would you open up another group on Thursdays? And, and my answer in the past has always been, well, because I've learned that if I don't do the work, I don't do the work. And if I give myself permission to not go to a Tuesday group once in a while, or I start thinking in terms of, well, they don't really need me on that radio show, then I drift back into whatever else I used to spend my time on, none of which has produced the results that this work produces for me. So I realized, you know, once again, as Susan was talking and Michelle was talking, that what I picked up from this psych prof 40 years ago, I have woven into the fabric of my life as an aid to be more productive, as an aid to follow through on what I say I want to do. And so that's my offering. I I could go on, but I think that's sufficient. Good stuff, Tim. That's awesome. And uh, congratulations to that professor. One of the other things that uh, that you just triggered for me, Tim, that I hadn't thought of earlier when Michelle was asking the question, and of course, this is for all of us, Michelle, so thank you. And that is uh, in the, uh, you know, in my early days, I used to do some sales work and did, you know, a number of different sales training things. And one of the things I used to say in sales training was, when you're going to sell something, you always sell the sizzle, not the carrot. Actually, they said something other than the carrot, but being a vegetarian, I'd rather go with the carrot. But, you know, people want to talk about the gut grinding and, you know, it can be gut grinding work to work through your stuff. But one of the other things to recognize about our minds is that our minds are motivated by reward. And so perhaps what you're doing at this point is motivating yourself through just the, the gut grind of I'm going to go through this and I'm going to do this. And then when you get to a certain level of resistance, it's like, okay, that stops now. But rather, you know, maybe take a, a situation where you can see that before you did your work, Life was somewhat traumatic in that arena. And then you did your work, and out the other side you came, and life is much more delightful in that arena. And so wherever it is that your next piece of work is, rather than focusing on the work you need to do, you might want to hold the visualization, you know, as we talk about in the uh, mind goal management sheet from getting the stress you need. 
you might hold the vis visualization of see the end from the beginning. You know, if I've got to do some, some worksheets around my relationships, gee, I've got some old fear and some old pain. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to deal with that. But if I can visualize myself being in just a whole new level of delight and aliveness and joy with my partner or my children or my parents or whoever it is that I have that relationship issue with, if I can see that end from the beginning of that delight and joy, then it can uplift me to make it easier to move through the work I'm going to do to achieve that result. So you might also just knowing how your mind is motivated, which I think is basically what Tim was saying, that you, unless you're forced to, then set yourself up so that your mind is motivated. Gee, you know, I can see that in this area of my life, I've got a health challenge. Boy, I don't want to face, I don't want to deal with that. But coming out the other side and being more vital and alive is a pretty good motivator to get the mind to, you know, get off of its duff and, and do some moving. So you might find that helpful as well. And then give no, your word to your account and then give your word to your accountability partner. Are you breathing? I want to, no, I I'm thinking I want to take my word back. Ah, of course. That's the resistor. That's what we're talking about. That's what it wants to do. No, 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 don't dismantle me. I've been running this show for too long. I don't want to, I don't want you to kick me out. <sighs> so I breathe with you. And I invite you to go back and listen to the show the other day where you were so excited about what you were doing and ready mm -hmm. to go for. And tap into that. And notice this is just this is just your mind's resistance. Another layer of energy to be peeled off. And I'll I'll offer that, you know, for me, what I've recognized in my life is that if I weren't teaching this work, I probably wouldn't be doing this work. You know, I could see where, you know, prior to being coming committed to doing this full time, I could see where uh, if I were still doing that, it'd be easy to avoid it. It'd be easy to be too busy and having too much fun and too much stuff and blah, 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 blah. And so maybe the other thing you might want to do is get out and teach it more. Maybe look at your schedule and sh set up a Y workshop for two or three weeks from now. Two or three weeks from now. Maybe set up another support group in town so there's a second support group in the Lansing area that people can go to and be supported in. And, yeah, there you go. That's it. That's the resistor. That's the one you want to grab that little sucker by the neck and tear him out and throw him away. <laughs> I couldn't hear that, Michelle. What did you say? I, I said now I'm not breathing. When he said about a second support group, it, it's just... Um, you know, I, I find myself <laughs> wishy-washy about being there. Another layer of your resistance comes up. That's why I'm saying when you're committed, you know, it's like you have to you have to go for it. And that's what I found really supported me was when I needed to go for it. And it would have been easier to just stay in bed. 
would have been easier to go out with the boys. Yeah, I know. Um, when I started Mind Shifter Support Group two and a half years ago, I mean, there's there's one person who's who's with me from from that long ago, and you know, it's like people come in and they cycle out, and they come in and they cycle out, and it's like sometimes. Um, well, you've talked about this, about being alone sometimes, Michael, where, you know, are are you the only one that cares? Well, I'll I'll offer that I've been in that boat before. And I still jump into it and paddle in it for a little while every once in a while. And then I stop and realize what I'm inviting people to do. And what I'm inviting people to do, what you're inviting people to do, what you're suggesting to yourself to do, is you are going to open the metaphorical Pandora's box and work through what's in there. Now, you'll notice that Pandora's box, which is just a a code word for the unconscious, you'll notice the Greek said, don't ever open Pandora's box. You never know what you're going to find in there. I know what you're going to find in there. I know what I find when I go in there. I find every form of sadness and fear and rage and guilt and grief and pain that has ever happened in any of my generations. And when I start to just look at history just a little bit, you know, one of my perennial trigger movies is Mel Gibson in uh, uh, Braveheart. You know, that's my heritage. You look at what was done by the Brits to the Scots, and it's grossly insane. I was in Greece a few years ago, and one of the things I noticed is there's no such thing as a non-smoking zone, or at least there wasn't. This goes back about 20 years ago now. And the Greeks smoked, if I remember correctly, the statistics were something like a third more cigarettes than anybody else in Europe. And then as I'm looking at Greek history, I'm looking at invasion after invasion, slaughter after murder after slaughter after invasion after, you know, destruction, just mass insanity. I understand why the Greeks smoke to inhibit and to anesthetize that level of pain. The Russians, I mean, you know, why, why, I mean, how do you pour that much vodka out in one country? But then you look at how many just gross non-human acts have been done to human beings. And that's what we're inviting people to look into. To take a hold of and to deal with. I know you shared with me in the past some of your power person issues and some of the things that have gone on. In order for your power person to have done some of the things that they've done and behaved in the way they've behaved, what what do you what can you only imagine they went through that would take them into that mode of operating with this sweet innocent child? Can we even fathom what they've been through? 
and what we're inviting you to do. And when you make a commitment to pick up the wake-up sheet, is you're being committed to allow that information to awaken in you, touch into what is not loving in it, bring it forward, feel it, and expose it to love so that it dissolves. That's a huge order. I recognize that. You know, it's like, why aren't there millions of people getting up every morning and doing worksheets? It makes such a huge difference in their lives. Why does somebody come to an intensive, do a huge piece of work? They've got this major trauma going on in their lives. They're just in so much pain. And they walk out on the ninth day and they're just like, oh, my God, I didn't know I could be this free. Thank you. And they don't hear from them again for 10 years. It's like, well, why wouldn't you go home and keep doing that so you don't No, 10 years later, we're in another trauma is when I hear from them again. And I, and I mean literally. I'm thinking of people that it's taken 10 years for them. They've, they've done a piece of work. They've gotten it, and, and they promptly forget because this huge multi-generational database stored in our genes comes up and swallows that stuff, sucks it in, and we forget what happened three days ago that was so joyful when I did a piece of work? So be gentle with yourself. And that's what you're facing. We're saying, open the lid, drop into Pandora's, face everything that's in there from every generation of your bloodline. There are few that are made of stern enough stuff to actually do that. There are lots of people who talk about it. I get people who talk about it, they make commitments to do it, and then they just poop out on their commitments. And then three days later, they'll tell me, oh, I never made that commitment. It's like, oh, okay, all right, well. And here's what I found, is if you commit yourself to teaching it, then you have to keep revisiting it. And you have to keep saying it. And sooner or later, when you say it, you know, the umpteenth time, you go, oh, my God, that applies to me, too. Oh, God, there's another piece of my work. <laughs> and I'm saying that after 50 years of doing this work. Well, Michael, Dr. Tim, how I many years is it you've been doing your work now? You're in a 40-some, 50? I, I don't. I lost track. It, okay. it, has not been, it has not been a short journey. I do remember. Right. Um, I do remember for somebody that in the past few days I, I did some calculations about um, it was 35 years ago or, or more that I first started Jungian anal analysis for three and a half years where I went every week and analyzed my dreams and stuff like that. So it's been a while. But uh, yeah. what, what I was going to say is that you know I started my comments by saying that I had used the tools and gotten some insight into a fear I had about interacting with somebody because they weren't going to, because they don't admit their anger. And then I tapped into a memory of another layer of a memory. I've had this memory my, my whole life since I was 12 of feeling so enraged and feeling completely out of control in that rage. Well, the other part of it that I didn't mention because it, I didn't feel it was relevant at the time was that yesterday I was going through the healing crisis involved with letting all of that stuff up. And I felt like when I got up yesterday morning that I must have had two or three six-packs of beer the night before. I felt literally hungover. Mm -hmm. I felt oh. 
my head was foggy, my body was aching, I had waves of nausea, I had mini cramping going on throughout the day. And so, you know, it's it isn't all sunshine and roses. It's not like I just um had that realization and then I felt a hundred pounds lighter and skipped through the rest of the day. But and at the same time here I am a day later, and I may not feel 100%, but I feel, you know, five times better than I did yesterday. And I've got a level of clarity about this relationship and interaction pattern that leaves me feeling very solid about what I'm going to do next. And I feel like I can see things much more clearly. And as you were talking about with Michelle, it's really important for me to focus on the benefits. You know, when I get up in the morning and I decide I'm going to exercise and it's nice and warm in the bed and it's cold when my feet hit the floor, I don't think about how cold the floor is and how warm the bed is. I have to focus on how much, how good I'm going to feel later in the day after I've done my exercise in the morning. You know, I focus on that end result. I don't focus on my gosh, it's cold in here and the bed is nice and warm, because if I focus on that, I roll over and go back to sleep. That's how weak I am. And there's lots to be faced, and it's it takes courage. There's no question about it. You know, we're talking about what your healing crisis looked like, Tim. I was talking with someone yesterday and sharing with them that if you look at pictures way back when I was in my... Uh, you can see where my the upper part of my spine is bent, and I'm, I'm I'm on the way to being you know that hunched over old man. And now today, people look at me and are like, "You've got one of the straightest spines I've ever seen." And I went through about three years where my chest, having been compressed by that, came down started to move and open and I would actually bend my spine my chest the the bones where the ribs in the front articulate to the breastplate would go click 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 and be excruciatingly painful and I remember and this goes back it was the first intensive that we or no the second intensive that we did here so it was the summer of 1989 and we did an intuitive development and part of the intuitive development was a canoe trip and I had so much pain from this opening that was going on in my chest and and this is something that went on for about three years over three years this this shifted and changed the whole shape of my spine and the you know the way my head is held and such but that particular canoe trip, I could not pick up a paddle to help paddle the boat. I had to just sit as a passenger in the canoe. It was so excruciatingly painful just to pick something up, and it was the pain in my chest just from holding the weight of a, of a paddle. So it's, it's, it's an intense process, and uh, we invite you into the intensity and know the safety of coming out the other side of it because it's awesome. And we're breathing with you, Michelle.
in our hearts. Thoughts to share? Um, I actually felt that. And I think this is, I have a, a little log I keep of um, shows that are particularly um, helpful in explaining concepts. And I've got this one definitely earmarked as, you know, the different perspectives to approach the resistance because it's I, I I mean if I keep it inside it's not going to go anywhere so I'll just bring it out and expose it and um, hold it up to some love. Yeah, notice you've got a whole community of people just spraying the energy of love toward you right now. People from all over the globe. And of course the benefit the person who would be spraying love toward you right now gets is the part of them that has resistance is also being sprayed and healed. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole community event, a whole community happening. Cause you're certainly not alone in this one. <laughs> <laughs> that part does feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, would you be willing to uh, contact your commitment partner and say, I'm going to text you my completion every day from now on and keep my word? I want to, so I guess there's willingness and the sneaky part is saying don't <laughs> commit to anything because you know I'm like worried if you know there's I don't know worksheet on worry do a wake up sheet wake up from that worry part of your mind and let it go well then I'm just de- I'm just deepening you know my sewage I don't know that I'm out of the woods yet here and and then I'm going to recommit. It just feels like sloppy somehow that I'm um, not being authentic or genuine. Well, then I would do a worksheet on your fear of appearing sloppy and not being authentic or genuine. And notice right. how that. Good one. And notice how that is the absolute byproduct of refusing to commit. The very thing that you're saying you don't want to appear to be and do is exactly what you're living into. That's the invisibility of the constructs of the human mind when it's constructing a reality and not wanting to be responsible for its reality. So I would encourage you to call your commitment partner and make the commitment and be willing to fall flat on your face and have to call her again or him again tomorrow and the next day and say, I'm sorry, I screwed up, I'm going to start again, and just do that an infinite amount of times until whatever wants to hold you back has to show its ugly face, and then you will be looking straight in the eye at one of your deepest fears, and you'll be able to realize it was nothing but smoke and mirrors anyway. 
And you'll get your power back from the part of your mind that you're using to withhold your power from you. Uh, I don't know how I'm doing it, but that sounds right. And then, you know, if if you don't complete it, then rather than, oh, look how terrible, oh, look, what, oh, my God, oh, oh, then I'm going to do worksheets on, I failed. I didn't keep my word. So who's the object of attention? Michelle. What's the situation? I gave my word. I broke it. What's my feeling? Self-pity. What's my thought? Oh, I'm just not good enough. What's my goal? I want to be good enough. I cancel my goal to be good enough. Breathe. Rook, I need help in healing this. I'm not good enough thought. (sighs) What's my insight? You know, the truth is, the Creator made us all the same. I'm obviously as good as anybody that's ever lived. Hmm, okay, cool. What am I going to do? I'm going to give myself the gift. What's my new goal? I'm going to give myself the gift of keeping my commitments to myself. Well, you might do that worksheet 77 times 70 times to get out the other side of this whole issue, but but you'll be doing it. Okay. I'll, I'll recommit to five worksheets today. Awesome. And, you know, maybe... You want to just commit to one worksheet a day for, you know, remember Terry, we told the story, Terry, he started out and he made a commitment to do one worksheet a day for 10 days. It was doable and he did it. So, so maybe just contact your community, your partner and say, look, I'm going to do one worksheet a day for the next three days. And then I'm going to reassess. And then in three days, well, okay, I'm going to go for two. You know, rather than jump into something that you're going to be able to hold, you know, it's so big that I can't do it or I won't do it. So just think about that and how it might fit best. And we're down to the last few seconds, so I'm going hold to on a minute. Uh, just say, oh, go for hold it. Hold on a minute. Here's a mind shifter for you. Sure. I am as lovable and worthwhile as the people I respect most. Hmm. Good one. That is a good one. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, Michelle. We appreciate you being on the team. We appreciate your support, and we hold the space. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're down to just the last few seconds, so if this show's been meaningful, get a copy of it, send it off as an MP3 to somebody. If you're ready to do your work on the next level, month of February, intensives in Florida. Have a blessed day. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com.